0: Take wire.
1: 13th, November 2013. Uh, Did you say it was Friday the 13th? Yeah, Friday the 13th is falling on a Wednesday this month. Okay, just to make sure.
2: Glad to know I'm not the only one having problems today.
1: So, in a less confusing way, it is the 13th of November 2013. This is episode 136 of The Skeptic Wire. I am Gary Lawn, your host, and with me this week are Dennis Wofford.
2: Yeah, I'm here.
1: (laughs) And Greg Bride. I are. He says some sort of Yoda-ish. Well, you said infrared, We are or-
2: here,
0: so we I am. are. We am yeah. here. Yes, indeed. Grammar was never my strong point.
1: Or suit, for that matter. Yes, you don't own a suit, do you? Yes, I own
0: three. <laughs> was- One doesn't fit me anymore.
1: <laughs> so we would call that the weak suit.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: right. Okay.
2: <laughs> I thought that was clubs. Sam's
1: fighting words. <laughs> That's right. I don't know where we're going with this. How long was everybody's week? Good. Excellent. Not much of an interesting week, no. No. Okay. I'm pretty excited with my week because I finally get to start taking data for my thesis. You get to
0: meet Brent Spiner?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm taking him out you know, to IHOP, uh, I'm, I'm International sure that's... House of Pharisees. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> no, I, I, I get to start. We have a server uh, set aside at... At university, and I'm working on it. as as has probably been, probably been stated uh, many times. I'm working on my master's in electrical engineering, so I finally get to take data.
0: Now uh, you're kind of working towards the final home
1: stretch. Exactly. And it's, it's going to take a couple of weeks to do it because what I thought was going to be, oh, we need to take 3,000 points of data from various places to turn into, oh, we need to take oh, about 8,000 points of data at various times in various places through various systems. Which is good because it will give me a couple of papers as well as you know, uh, a thesis and, and maybe a dissertation maybe later. I don't know. We'll figure it out.
0: You go with your bad self. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so today I was uh, mucking about with how I'm going to do it. So it was very exciting. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, not so exciting probably for the listener.
0: (laughs) But you know what is exciting? Birthdays. Ah. Well, for
1: most people. Yeah. You know whose birthday it was yesterday? Uh, It was not mine. Uh, He's... This person... I'm going to take over the birthday just for a moment. This person says one of my, my favorite quotes, which is, we should... Be careful of who we pretend to be because we are who we pretend to be. I have no idea. He was an um, author. Often confused with Mark Twain, actually.
2: Author often confused with me. As far as his his, his visage. Look, yes. His look or or his style. His look. Because that's very Mark twain the that phrase. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, he so, it's, he.
2: so we're eliminating Mark Twain. It's,
1: no, it wasn't wasn't Mark Twain. But <laughs> it is not Mark Twain. Right. But he he kind of looked uh, like him. Uh,
2: kind of. Lo- so he looked like the Colonel from Kentucky yeah, Fried Chicken. He, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it Wrote *Cat's Cradle*. Oh. Uh, Sirens of Michael Crichton. Mars. Nope, no. Nope. Uh, it, Ray, Ray Bradbury. Dead. Oh well, uh, Crichton and Bradbury are dead. Uh, died of cancer. Does that help? I believe he was an atheist, but he may have just been asimov nope a, a American author as well too seen, just I can, tell us yeah uh, kurt vonnegut oh, oh. okay yeah. i didn't really i don't really know him very well. one thing about kurt vonnegut is uh his son apparently wrote. A, a book about an LSD trip he did and he did like some scientific research, but he described how things happen. It was supposed to be a very good book, but unfortunately it's out of print and I've never been able to find it. <laughs> if anybody knows one, what it's fricking called and two, where I might be able to get it. Uh, Post or Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be indebted to you. I'll buy you a beer. Unless you don't drink, in which case I'll buy you a soda. Which I'll just shut up. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so, Birthday. Whose birthday is it
0: today? We have two fairly quick birthdays because I think you guys are going to be able to guess it fairly quickly, and not just Donna be able to guess it fairly quickly because Donna has a superpower with birthdays apparently because she remembers names. (laughs) That that is that is obviously very helpful. The first one was born November thirteenth, nineteen twenty nine. Uh-huh. and I'm going to go with the, the quick version of guessing who it is and give you two words to okay. have you guess who it is. God hates...
2: Uh, Fred Phelps.
0: Thank you. Huh. Yes, Fred Phelps, leader and founder of the Westboro... Hey, well, it was
2: either Fred Phelps or Shirley Roper Phelps or Phelps Roper, whatever the <laughs> fucking name is want sorry <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was just easier to go with the the initial leader he founded the Westboro Baptist Church he started out life going to like wanting to go to West Point then went to a Methodist revival and said no I want to be a pastor and then went to various different colleges and ended up finally becoming a lawyer and he actually successfully argued for a lot of civil rights cases for African-Americans, and I think some women as well.
2: Yeah, and then he just went completely wackadoodle.
0: Exactly.
1: And started his own version of West Point called the West Borough.
0: Yeah, so he's very conservative, especially on the gay side. Very, very focused on the gays, which the cynical part of me makes me think, hmm, maybe he doth protest too much, but I'm not going to put any words into his mouth.
1: Amongst other things. Bet you're not going to put in his mouth. No, no. <laughs> or dangle in front of him. Like a carrot.
0: Yeah, I just... I you, you, You've you got them all. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't Sorry. have any further uh, response yeah, really to that. Follow I really can't up thinking, on your... I was just thinking of the one thing that uh, my friends used to... They claimed they said to, to piss off uh, one of the guy's uh, father's... Because he was also a, a homophobe. And so when they were in high school and the, the father was driving around, they'd sing, butter your butt and stick it out the window. We're going to go trolling for queers. <laughs> I don't know why. It just <laughs> makes me laugh.
0: <laughs> okay, that's a little insight into Gary's brain.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was mine. It was my uh, friend's. But anyway.
0: Obviously, Fred Phelps is known for being the head of the Westboro Baptist Church, which is makes him skeptical enough in the first place, but also the fact that all these various laws have popped up either at the federal level or the state level to curtail their speech for all intents and purposes, and how from the skeptical point of view, as much as we detest the messages that Fred Phelps and his church spew on the general public, we do actually support his right to say it and don't think that speech should be infringed upon. So uh, a twofer there for why I would talk about him on a skeptical podcast.
2: I really don't want to think about a twofer with Fred Phelps.
0: I, this is getting disturbing. I'm going to move on to the next person. The next person was born November 13th, 1969. I'm guessing I only need one word to make you guess, but I'm not sure. Infidel. Infidel.
1: Pitching? Oh, I on... Yes? Yeah, her... her... Yes? Go yeah, curse a lot. You're getting
0: there. It's, yeah. You're I building her off boss of last... Go ahead. See?
2: Because <laughs> 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 I refuse to look shit up on birthdays.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. That's You're honestly testing yourself. You're not cheating. No. We know Gary isn't cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to say it? Yes. Ian Hershey Ali.
2: Thank you.
0: Yes. Who was born in uh, mm-hmm. Somalia,
2: S- Somalia, lived
0: in uh, Saudi Arabia, Ethiopia, Kenya, and eventually was able to escape that life and get to Germany and then the Netherlands to claim asylum. There were some problems with her asylum claim, which led to problems when she was in parliament later on. But uh, she wrote a couple different books Infidel and Nomad talking about her experiences growing up as an Islamic woman in Africa and the Middle East and how she fell hook, hook, line, and sinker for the very conservative, burqa wearing type Islam and was able to free herself from that and is now a very outspoken atheist, so outspoken that she lives in hiding. And um, many people have considered her essentially the I'm gonna say replacement for Christopher Hitchens as the fourth living horseman of the apocalypse kind of horsman. Horse, fourth horseman of atheism. So
1: horse person then.
0: Yes. <laughs> so yeah, congratulations, Donna, on a 2 for Queen of the Podcast, super duper guessing on two and one. I think that's the way I'm gonna go with the birthdays from now on. I'm gonna See how few words I can get you to guess it on. Now I'm going to
1: start <laughs> using really yes, – f- Because that, that's worked so well in the past. <laughs> it's worked
0: well with Donna,
1: Gary. <laughs> Unless you come up with someone who was born in 1433 that we've never yeah, heard of.
0: that 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 would be kind of a problem. And you refuse but- to
1: tell us what this person actually did because it would give it all away. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm
0: trying to make it interesting for the listeners by providing information. Or not,
1: <laughs> as the case may
0: be. <laughs> All right, apparently we're going to have to talk about this offline because you have some very strong feelings about this, Gary. Yeah. Anyway. What else do you have strong feelings about? Ah, uh, not much. Uh, but What
1: rockets your
0: blood pressure
1: up? I was going to say, but, you know, speaking about strong like forces, for example. Uh, uh, We spoke last week briefly about... No, we didn't speak about it, but I told you about... Two weeks ago? Oh, it was two weeks ago.
0: Last week was all the skull
1: thing. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay, anyway. (laughs) He imitates a
2: baboon. (laughs) 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 I kind of think that's more Cro-Magnon than...
0: (laughs) I knew you were going to correct me on that one, but I just figured I'd pick a great ape and go with it.
1: So, yeah... Uh, Two weeks ago, Dan, mentioned that the Indian Space Organization, the ISRO, was launching a Mars orbiter on the 5th or 6th, and the launch was successful. They got it up into space. Unfortunately, one of the first burns that they were going to do to try and get into a highly elliptical orbit uh, did not work properly the first time.
0: So they started by just getting it up into an orbit. Yes. And there were supposed to be other boosters to widen its orbit that eventually fling it out towards Mars.
1: Yes, exactly correct. There's supposed to be six what they're calling midnight burns. One Would... burn a day to lift it up into a higher and higher elliptical orbit until they finally get it out of Earth's orbit and they get it on its way to Mars. And that's supposed to happen like the first of January or some sometime in January is when the Mars Explorer will actually be on its way. But what happened was there were two coils that control the valves for the burns, and they opened both of those coils, when they did it at the same time, and that stopped the fuel, and so they couldn't do their first burn.
0: So the burns uh, didn't work at
1: first. The very first one, yeah. Excellent. It didn't quite work, but they figured out what happened, and now they're quite happy with what's going on. So it shouldn't be a problem. So, yay! They're... So far, looking like everything is going well. But as most of us know, NASA always has a glitch for the mission. So <laughs> that was <laughs> well,
0: When you get anything that complicated, like, I don't know, say, a massive website for government healthcare. there's going to be some complications. There's going to be some glitches, something you didn't fully test, or something that just goes wrong. Exactly.
1: But I did read one article on redorbit.com, which made me cock my head a little bit. This is the paragraph that kind of got me. And it says, quote,
0: India maintains that this minor issue is just that and will not set the country back in its attempt to be only the fourth country to put an unmanned craft on or around Mars. It would join the USA, Russia, and Europe as the only superpowers to reach the red Planet." India's attempt
1: is successful, blah, 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 blah.
0: Was it calling Europe a country that bothered you? <laughs>
1: yeah. And calling it a superpower. I mean, c- collectively, I guess it is. But yeah. it's, it's it's the European continent.
2: countries. It's a European continent.
0: Yeah. And it's a union of yeah. different countries kind of working their things together. I mean, I mean, some people kind of think of it nowadays as kind of the United States of Europe now.
1: Sure. Because
0: there's not so much passport controls, unified currency, all that kind of stuff. But Uh, it's not. Yeah, I I get that. (laughs) Was this the same article that had some kind of weird kind of bad English translations, like it wasn't written by a first language speaker?
1: Red Red Orbit is, in fact, based in Texas.
0: Well, that explains the poor language (laughs)
1: skills. Yeah, well, they also got some things a little bit off. So I don't know how good Red Orbit is as far as it's technical, but it claims to be uh, that it has over 2 million pages covering the vast
0: ideological spectrums of space, science, health, and technology.
1: So what? I'm wondering about their use of words and terminology. And the it's, word
0: that sticks to you there is ideological.
1: Yes. Ideological spectrums of space, science, health, and technology. That doesn't make any sense to me. Those it's very really word it- salad Yeah. Yeah. And science really, it's a way of thinking, but it's not, not really an ideology. ideology. I mean,
0: you get some people who are Neither maybe on space. different sides of the quantum mechanics, string theory type debates. where, But that's not, I would never call that an ideology. I would yeah. call that a untested hypothesis position or some other wordy way of describing yeah. that. On the
1: other hand, you know, they are science, scientists. <laughs> oh, you must be a scientist. You must be a spacist or a healthist. That would be an ideology. technologist. Sure. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so but the might... math
0: concerning what is the orbit of Mars and how can this rocket get there—that's not an ideology. That's no. either the numbers work or they don't.
1: Exactly. That's a great thing about sciences. You don't have to believe in it. It just works.
0: Speaking of people who don't believe.
2: As we all heard this past weekend, there was the terrible typhoon that hit the Philippines. It is being called the mega superstorm. I've heard various other terms <laughs> because it is a, what, category six. Gary,
1: why are you laughing about super, mega
2: superstorm? I've heard that term. God.
1: Mega super awesome. Huge-o storm Its let basic me.
2: name
0: is okay. super typhoon Haiyan. Right, okay. H-A-I-Y-A-N. That's
1: fine. Super typhoon. It's double plus good.
2: Well, at last count, they're estimating over 10,000 dead in the Philippines. They are still assessing the damage and everything to it. And our good friends at Foundation Beyond Belief have already mobilized to raise money and um, any materials that the people of Philippines need. So this is where we go... We would love you to open up your wallets and give to us because, you know, we're a struggling podcast, but honestly, (laughs) that money is better spent by donating to any of the Foundation Beyond Belief itself or some of the charities that they are directly involved with to help the people of the Philippines because this is really, this is the biggest storm in recorded history.
0: The best part about what Foundation Beyond Belief is doing is they're working with a local charity called Citizens Disaster Response Center, which is always been in the Philippines and is used to being on the ground there. So you're just sending 100% of your money to that organization to get food or supplies or whatever they feel they need at that moment. So they're not sending 10,000 teddy bears, let alone not sending 10,000
1: Bibles. Or (laughs) 10,000 vials of water that they say will cure them of their diphtheria. That would be homeopathy, right? Yes. Yes. Homeopaths without borders. Yeah, that was the Haiti thing, right? Yes, it was.
2: They are out there getting food to these people. They are getting clean drinking water. They are helping to rebuild the infrastructure that was destroyed. So please open up your wallets. I already have. I donated. Go! Give! Money!
1: (laughs) Excellent.
0: I think it was sometime last year, a couple of comedians in Britain decided that they wanted kind of on a lark That's the kind of thing you say when you're British on a lark, decided that they wanted to start a what they're calling Sunday Assembly, which is kind of church for atheists. And it was a combination of kind of performance art, funny thing, but also just a gathering for friends and stuff like that, where you sing Beatles songs, maybe hear a smart uh, speaker or former pastor or something talk about something interesting to secularists or science minded type people. Mm-hmm. It seems to have been kind of popular, but it seems that now that idea is starting to spread to other countries, especially other cities here in the United States. Those two uh, comedians, uh, Sanderson Jones and Pippa Evans, very British names, are doing this 40 days, 40 nights U.S. tour to raise money to... Expand their website presence so that you can kind of telecommute to other Sunday assemblies, but also to start other Sunday assemblies in other cities in the U.S. and worldwide. Hmm. Uh, apparently, it's gotten a lot of press, which is kind of an interesting thing. Just today at work, some guy said, "Hey, I he- heard about this thing up in Dallas. They're doing this, sun- you know, atheist mega church or something."
1: I said,
0: "Yeah, I've heard of it, but." Uh, my main response to it is, is all the various good or bads about it is I bristle at people calling it an atheist megachurch. Yeah. You think megachurch, you think 20,000 people with satellite buildings and big screens and
2: Where they hide the ugly people in the back. Exactly. <laughs> there was the story about Joel Osteen's church where the guy came in and he was, like, I mean, tattooed, very biker looking. And they literally made him sit in the back away from the TV cameras. Oh yeah. yeah. So sense. you know, like I said, all the pretty people are in the front. <laughs> the yeah. camera ready.
0: Well we all we know that all atheists are pretty.
2: Yeah, really, people haven't looked at me.
0: <laughs> or me. <laughs> or Gary. I'm gorgeous.
2: <laughs> Time yes, gorgeous. Your the light of your Adonis like figure is blinding me. <laughs> That's
0: not the light of his Adonis figure. That's...
1: I have to lie off top of my bald head.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank so you now, for finishing that for me. Now that we've gotten through the <laughs>
2: self-deprecating humor <portion. laughs>
0: I think that's one of the advantages of Sunday Assembly is that it doesn't take itself seriously. So it is kind of yeah. self-deprecating. And, but... and
2: their, their Indiegogo page, their film is absolutely hilarious where they're trying to crowdsource the money that they need to get more Sunday Assemblies going. That video is... Honestly, one of the best Indiegogo videos I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of crap on Indiegogo.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll include a link in our blog show
1: notes and stuff like that. Yes, because
2: somebody might want to donate to them after they donate to the Foundation Beyond Belief. Hint, hint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's also uh, the Military Atheists and Freethinkers Foundation, MAF, here in San Antonio, for example, has started up because San Antonio has a lot of training For new recruits and and stuff. so all the Air Force. Air Force, uh, Fort Sam Houston, there's some Army stuff that comes through. And since they're consolidating a lot of the military, they siphon them through San Antonio. And so FACT has been working with the MAFF and doing Sunday assemblies as well. And they're getting like thirty-two people.
2: They got, I think they got forty-five at last weekend. Yeah.
1: So it's it's correct. People don't want to go be preached at, but they're getting Christian people and and Jewish people and a whole bunch of people. But the the problem is that a lot of their squadrons it seems aren't advertising that there that there is this alternative to going to you know mass.
0: Well, either yeah, either you go to mass
1: or you clean the latrine on exactly. Sunday morning. Right. Exactly. So I think it's pretty exciting that. That these are alternatives to, if you're beyond going to the universalist church (laughs) and you still want to have an assembly, do something with people on Sundays, this would be a very good alternative. Well,
2: yeah. And it's, the whole principle is, is that it's simply a gathering, Mm -hmm. which is, I'm not going to speak for Christians, but I will a little bit here. I think that there are a lot more Christians in the pews that are going there strictly for the social aspects as opposed to. The quote, I need to learn about God today.
0: Definitely. You you have a community there that someone will call somebody if they're sick. Or if someone's yeah. slated for surgery, that someone will come around and bring a casserole if you're not feeling well or
1: something like that. Yeah. yeah, And, and of course, if something has happened to you, at least you once have... a week, someone's going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: wait. wait Where's wait, Johnny? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's, it's essentially like... Almost everybody probably who's listening in their town in the United States or maybe worldwide, there's probably an atheist or skeptics meetup group, which once a month or once every couple of weeks will
1: go to a restaurant. Unless you're in San Antonio, in which case it's like once a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> We're so bad. <laughs> but it's
0: it's a purely social thing. There's not a lot of structure around it. So, in some ways, it's kind of nice to have a structure, kind of like how having groups like the Humanist Society or American Atheists or something like that is good to have an organizing group to kind of present a united front. But I, I do understand some of the. Well, besides the fact that it's not a mega church, calling the Sunday Assembly a mega church when 50 people show up or even 400, that's not a mega church. Anyway, besides that, the idea that. It's appropriating a lot of the religious language, religious imagery, ritual of let's all stand and sing. It is Oh,
2: like the religious people didn't syncretize that from from the pagans before them. (laughs) That's true, but it does –
0: it's got the double-edged sword of appropriating all that. It's good in that people who are fresh out of religion can have that familiarity of – oh, we sing a song and then we hear from a speaker, we sing another song and then we do some kind of ritual. They get that kind of feeling out of it. But on the other hand, it's still maintaining a lot of the idea that you need all that.
2: Well, I would say that ritual is important to the human spirit, the human consciousness as a whole. We have rituals every day, whether or not we we recognize them humans are a ritualistic construct they abide by it yeah.
1: like the first thing i do in the morning right like, is uh, scream in terror and then, <laughs> and...
2: yeah, exactly well i mean you can look at even some of the most basic stuff of gift giving and how that relates to i mean julian stewart wrote a lot about this about how Gift-giving is a ritual in and of itself of the appropriation of how much money you're spending and whether your gift is going down in social stature or up in social stature. There's all these things. We are a ritual-based group, humans as a whole.
0: Mostly I'm just playing devil's advocate here because it does sometimes lead credence to the idea of, well, atheists are just another religion.
1: Right, and that, so that, that even that's the problem though with the Sunday, yes, right. Sunday
0: assembly in and of itself is not a bad idea, but in the context of atheists trying to differentiate themselves from religionists and saying, "Well, we're going to be atheists, but we're still going to do this thing anyway," gives a lot of support for the idea of, "Well, they really believe they just don't want to go to church."
2: Right, and I, so. I yeah, and I see it differently as, as it's more of a community base. It's a ritual base church is not the single purveyor of ritual and community don't call the sunday assembly an atheist church because it isn't it is a community and it is a ritual center it's not church
0: i like the fact that it is called sunday assembly not atheist church but the simple fact is that the shortcut for everybody who writes a press article about it in order to explain what it is is atheist church
2: exactly which and, is lazy reporting which we talk about. Yeah, it's a lot. it's like
0: calling the Higgs boson the god particle. It's a quick and easy label that kind of sucks in its connotations which can be kind of the the potential like I said the double-edged sword potential downside to it. I mean, some people apparently on the blogosphere have very strong feelings one way or the other.
1: I really don't. I think people in the blogosphere always have strong opinions. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) you won't be able to get away from that.
2: But at the same time, though, if the atheist community can rally and can assemble together in many of the capacities, such as a church does, and be able to provide their members with that ability of having somebody checked in with, of, oh, look – Joe is having surgery on Thursday. We need 10 people to make casseroles for him. This is a good thing. This is a benefit to the atheist community.
0: Or, hey, everybody, Foundation Beyond Belief is doing a crisis response for the Philippines uh, typhoon. Here's the website.
2: Here's the website. Or can we get together and raise money or items for donation?
0: Let's have an atheist bake sale.
1: Cakes in the shape of babies.
2: I'm just going to say, we're oh, going to bake atheists?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think some atheists are already baked.
2: Put <laughs> <Ba-dum-ba-dum. laughs>
1: Yay, drug humor, 420. Okay. <laughs> so not a lot of strong feeling on that no, subject. No, I think but... that
2: it's a matter of how is it going to do over the next five years. Because in yeah. the next five years it could just like most fizzle. atheist things kind of yeah. kind of fizzle. <laughs>
0: yeah, is it going to become a is it going to become an organization like Freedom from Religion Foundation that does organizing stuff or legal stuff or is it going to become something like the Brights which is this <sighs> great idea. Oh, we're going to do this and like you said just fizzles into nothing. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it yet it's yet to see but I don't either well, way it'll be fine.
1: Well, it 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 also depends on leadership because, like, the Brights was just a branding, but they had nothing really behind it. They just had some of the people and the leaders going, oh, well, I'm a Bright. Uh, So to – now, something like this, like, any organization needs organization. It also needs funding because where are you going to hold these assemblies, for example? So that means people have to donate money, which is kind of like tithing, or they have to buy tickets to it, right? Because when I I was thinking – of the Sunday assembly, the first thing I really thought was, it's kind of like going to a show, but it's sort of an you know, act, interactive show, which means that you know you're going to charge five to ten dollars for people to get in and participate. But it's mainly not for the people up to necessarily make money, just to but, rent the hall. Yeah, get the hall and and pay for whoever you have coming in, just like you would do at. Uh, skeptics meet up if you had Mm -hmm. someone come in or or like one of the fact meetings or going to TAM, for example.
0: It seems to me that some of the success failure rate on some of these local organizations, like you say, may depend upon getting a charismatic leader, which (laughs) kind of worries you too, is like how much is this going to be, I wouldn't say cultish, but dependent on one cult of personality making one group bigger than the other. Say one group has someone like Jerry DeWitt living in their town so he gets to inspire people makes it fun sure. where another town has me who is just like eh, let's just get together whenever we feel like it
1: yeah you have to have involvement from multiple people that's the key right yeah. you know there are skeptic groups like the the Houston skeptics I think are very active Austin doesn't even have a skeptic group but they have a big atheist community a very active atheist community right and so does Houston whereas San Antonio is just kind of eh.
0: It's a weird anomaly down here in San yeah, Antonio. Yeah,
1: yeah, but but we have the free thinkers of Central Texas, so and they have good leaders, you know. So it's it's really about uh, not just necessarily one person, but a group of people who are passionate about the yeah. whole thing. Well, one of but the
0: things know. that's done at these Sunday assemblies is they get together and they sing songs, sing, which would require, in some cases, musicians.
2: <laughs> just pre-recorded just, tracks. Just
0: work with me, an Gary. An MP3,
1: an, an, an MP3 just say, a sound system, and the BMI measurement.
0: Just say uh, yes, uh, Gary. Membership.
1: Oh yeah!
0: You never took an improv class, did you? You're supposed to <laughs> say yes and.
2: Yes and.
1: Or yeah and. We. <laughs> we oui. oui, und. No, we a. We a. Oh, we
0: oui, und. So there seemed to be a bunch of music articles in the news this week, and we thought we'd talk about some of them. Yeah! For example... For example, I'm going to talk about the dangers of playing a wood instrument. True. Woodwind wind instrument, yes. sorry.
1: And it, this could actually lead a little bit into some slight perils of playing string instruments as well. But let's talk about the yes. wood, but not quite as bad as a wood yes. instrument. I am primarily
0: a mandolin player, and I also play guitar
1: and some other
0: stuff. Gary is I multi-instrumental, multi primarily drums, but also guitar and some keyboards and stuff like that. We don't have to worry about saxophone lung.
2: <laughs> that was not what they told me in high school when I played in the jazz band, okay? Just letting you know, we, well, this, we were never warned about saxophone lung.
0: Because well, you played flute and... I played flute
2: and violin, and actually my senior year in high school... I learned how to play the tenor sax for our jazz band.
0: So this might have happened to you.
2: Except that I clean my instrument. Thank you. (laughs) Namely because I kind of had to because my parents were like pretty insistent that I cleaned it really often. So I would quit learning (laughs) how to play. Because when you're learning how to play the saxophone, the first two weeks are pretty much the sound of killing a cat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. just like, you know or the sm-
1: or the uh, shower scene in psycho
2: <laughs> 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 it's kind of more the same yeah, yeah. cuz well, it's like uh, <laughs> 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 okay. well
0: what we have here is a case study from the Atlanta area of a man who presented with persistent coughing and wheezing and they weren't sure what was going on they diagnosed him with allergic Bronchopulmonary aspergillosis. <laughs> aspergillosis? That's what it says. It's like Asperger, oh. but whatever.
1: Well, it's I like-, like how
2: you put the emphasis uh. on ass.
1: You <laughs> could put it on burger. It's not lalsis, right? Why is it laughing? No,
0: the okay. the two L's are together.
1: Okay. So it's, it's not it's not called jazz lung. No, that's not why, so much. That's why all the good jazz saxophonists always have Said raspy this.
2: boys <laughs> Let me tell you, boys, it was 1972. <laughs> I was playing in Boca.
1: They
0: treated this guy with antibiotics and steroids.
2: I broke Gary.
1: Yes, <laughs> Boca. I didn't break. I just,
2: you giggled quite I didn't heartily.
1: Boca. <laughs>
0: So this guy came in coughing and wheezing, and they treated him with antibiotics and steroids, and he just wasn't getting better. Until apparently in passing conversation, he just happened to mention they played clarinet in a Dixieland jazz band. So they tested his, his lungs with like a body scan, and they sampled from his reed on his clarinet, and found that he had um, the fungi Alternaria and uh, Curlvaria.
1: Ultra gnarly.
0: Gnarly, dude. Which is apparently one of some dozen different mold-type species <laughs> that apparently have been associated with this idea of saxophone lung. Because <laughs> a woodwind instrument is a very warm, moist environment.
1: And especially the... When wo- it's being played.
0: Well, if it's played and put down, it's still maybe a little warm and still moist. Well,
1: yeah, but I mean... Which allows
0: to... mold to All right. grow. So even something like a trumpet has a little spit valve where you're supposed to drain the spit. Oh yeah,
1: that's so disgusting. It doesn't no. really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played the trumpet for like a year and a half in grade school, and something like a trumpet where it's all metal is much less likely to have gro- mo- as much gro- mold growth yeah. as, say, something like a clarinet, which is wooden and it has the
1: wooden reed, right. Like, something like a
0: bassoon probably would have the same problem.
1: It's it's going to have the same gunk that you would have just if you never wash like, your teapot or something. Except human gunk, which is disgusting. Okay.
0: Apparently, some of these players, like this guy who's unnamed from Atlanta, just for years and years don't clean their instruments.
2: And I, okay.
0: Maybe they'll run a wire brush through it, but they won't use alcohol or bleach or anything like that. Well,
2: here's the thing. This is, I mean, having played flute and having played saxophone, the one thing that they teach you is make sure that you clean it every time to keep the pads and everything from basically rotting away. How do you... Fucking play an instrument for thirty years <laughs> without seeing some damage itself to the instrument from all the fucking mold that you've been growing. But yeah, it kept on pieces. sounding
1: better. I mean, as a mold built up, it built channels which made it more mellifluous. There's a certain el- <laughs> either way. <laughs> oh shit! There's a certain
0: element I got, to I at least I
2: got there.
0: wooden instruments like guitars and mandolins and and clarinets or whatever, that the more they're played as they age, they kind of settle into a warmer sound, yeah. a richer sound, something like that. But
2: That doesn't work with woodwinds.
0: String players, at least, you know, you have to, more so with, say, something like guitar than sometimes violin, you have to regularly change your strings because they just get gunky. You have to oil up the neck of Heck. the guitar right. to kind of get all that gunk off and, and polish or whatever. So that you don't stick your fingers, you can move your fingers around. And like you yeah. said, the the keys on a woodwind instrument might stick yeah. or be moldy
1: and make you sick. But the, the thing with, with with the guitar though is it's quite obvious that there's gunk on the fret.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> all the mold is inside.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's right. So the woodwind is like it's it's hidden from view. Yeah.
0: So this guy in Atlanta, once they find he finally cleaned his instrument, and that's not a metaphor for something. <laughs> He got better. I mean, I think they gave him a little bit more steroids or whatever to help him fight off the mold, but that's really all it was. Every time he played, he kept breathing in
1: the same mold spores. Yeah, which it kind of raises a question about the whole uh, – completely off topic, but, but along with the breathing in the mold. Remember the, the black mold that was supposed to be so deadly for you after all of the floods and everything. This must be yeah. like five or – 10 years ago and it was like anytime a, the there's like a scare Hurricane
0: Sandy there's a lot of mold damage yeah.
1: and yeah exactly yeah. so there's mold but black mold was supposed to be the worst of the worst <laughs> and, and you would think that this would be the exact same stuff it, well no I guess not because it's flood damage and so you have like sea water you know, you know, and bacteria yeah, and stuff not, like that you're not shoving fish up your clarinet and having them
0: poop I certainly there. hope not <laughs> Though horn players, I don't know, that weird thing where they have to put their hand in the bell of the horn, who knows what they're doing. Maybe they have a fish on the end of their hand.
1: A <laughs> to have a plunger. They use yeah, a, never trust a horn player. He's a trout.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else to add to that. So yeah.
0: let this be a lesson to you. Be skeptical and clean your instruments if you're using them. Just like you would clean your house so you don't develop... Lots of mold on your kitchen or bathroom
1: and don't get sick that That's way. That's right. The more you do it, the easier it is. Sure.
0: <laughs> Which explains what are the, about? <laughs> the big pile of tissues that I had in my kitchen this afternoon. Did you say
1: dishes or tissues? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was socks. No, he's already mentioned those socks. <laughs>
0: I don't have a response. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm just going to move on. The weird thing about the, the bowl is if it builds up, now it should probably make tuning a bit difficult, right? Because it'll it'll change. Well, okay. I'm, I'm imagining like this colony of
0: mold. Inside. <laughs> it do, it doesn't necessarily have to be a clump. It can be a film on the inside <laughs> okay. of the instrument. Okay. Carry. And that's probably yeah.
1: more likely. But when you, when you say that, I just imagine this colony... But a couple of weeks ago, uh, someone posted on Facebook, I think, about A432 versus A440 being the better way to tune. And if you're wondering what that means, start at the (laughs) beginning. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So, to get all of the instruments in the band to play in tune with each other, you have to have a reference tone. And so since about World War II, the reference tone that has been standardized has been A440. And what that means is that we have decided that 440 hertz beats per second is given the moniker A, A above middle C.
0: Right. That's the note A where if you're going to see an orchestra, the oboe... Starts with the sound of rah, and then exactly. the violins going and they tune up to that A and match each other on the 440
1: hertz exactly. Thing. Okay. And the reason they do the oboe because the oboe is notoriously difficult to uh, to tune.
0: Yeah. So basically, the oboe is spends mm-hmm. three hours before the concert making right. sure they're absolutely right, and then everybody just matches him or her, no matter what else they <laughs> exactly. they may the oboe may accidentally tune to 441, but as long as they all match, it's
1: fine. The thing about it is, is there's sort of a meme going around that A432 is the quote-unquote better frequency, reference frequency, as opposed to A440. And part of this is a very large conspiracy. Uh, huh? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's, let's start at the beginning. So back in the day, before there were electronics to do your tuning for you, they would use pipe organs or they would use uh, tuning forks. There were all kinds of different methods to get a reference tone. A432 seemed to be the one that, that people were naturally going towards. But what happened was there started to be sort of a tuning war where A would start drifting up because, as you know, when things get higher in pitch, they can sometimes get a little bit more exciting. Okay. <laughs> they sound more exciting, right? But everyone has a different resonance frequency for singing or, you know, guitars are are made to be of a certain tuning. And there's also a theory that uh, Stradivarius violins were made for an A432 reference tone. As opposed to A440. I don't know. I couldn't find any actual data. Supporting to documentation, up. yeah. So what happened was the reference A began getting higher and higher and higher. And so in opera, <laughs> people started blowing out their throats. <laughs> they and this is
0: just a couple little differentiations in
1: Hertz. Yeah, well, yeah. But at, at 440, there's actually a, a quite a... They can swing a bit. You can really hear the difference between right. a, a 32 and a 40. Let me ask you this.
0: In the standard system of tuning mm-hmm. that Western music is especially based on, everything is based on the half step. So in standard Western tuning, there's 12 notes in an octave that are separated by half steps. Right. A key will usually consist of eight of those. Right. So for a half step, how much of a difference in hertz would that usually be?
1: Oh, curse the luck. <laughs> I knew I was going to be asked this, and I don't know. Well, it depends on how how you're tuning. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, I, I, I took music theory, I took musical acoustics, and I can't remember. Off the top of my head.
0: I don't remember the – I never had to learn the
1: differences in hertz either, so yeah. not a big deal. But this is where it gets weird. Okay, so – Things were going off the scale. People were getting literally hurt (laughs) because some composers didn't want to lower it because they liked the the higher notes. If, If
0: a soprano's highest note is, say, around a G or something, and all of a sudden they're starting to sing closer to a G sharp, that puts a lot of strain on their voices and strains their vocal cords, which might lead to nodes or just generally blowing their voice out. Right. And there's only so much lemon juice and scarves that'll help you on that.
1: Basically, there needed to be something done about this, and there uh, since like the eighteen uh, mid eighteen hundreds, I think they had sort of settled on four thirty two, but then around the nineteen twenties nineteen thirties, they figured out that the A four forty the, the it looks prettier. It's a little bit more – you know, More easily divisible. Math, yeah. Math is a little bit better. And so the International Union of Standardization, ISU or whatever, um, said, well, look, let's just make it a 440. A little
0: bit higher, but let's just keep it there.
1: Exactly. And the thing is, pitch can change depending on the density of the medium you're singing in, uh, which basically means on earth – How, what what the temperature is. So it's actually A440 at like uh, uh, 60 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Or different altitudes or something like that. Yeah, exactly. At sea level. (laughs) Right. Which means that A440 is actually going to change. So if you're at A440 in one place and you move to another place, you may not be A440 in tune again, right? The problem is that Germany was involved (laughs) in this. And so when you do nothing
2: good can come from this exactly
1: a440 versus a432 search they'll say that it was the nazis wanting to get to a440 because a432 is so much better and more pleasing to you and better for your chakras and the natural frequency of the body and the thing is everybody's ears are slightly different so
2: not everything sounds exactly, exactly. the same it's, to every person. It's the same thing,
1: is my red, your red? Right. <laughs> you're right. It, you're right. Is my A as pleasing a, sound, a tone as as your A? Right? Well, everything I sing is more pleasing there than you everything you do. You do <laughs> well, the, well, yeah, but resonant cavity.
2: I could sing, but only if they could get down to a K. <laughs>
1: <laughs> K through X, that's perfect. <laughs> it
2: doesn't work that way, but we'll
1: keep going. Right. And so the other thing is, I, I did <laughs> reading the forums on this is hilarious because they're saying that the reason that the nazis wanted it is so that so a440 the catholic church and and the uh, and the germans were for this because because the nazis wanted to do it because they said that a440 and all of the temperament of that scale will increase people's uh, anxiety and uh wanting to fightness what is that called Aggressive, aggressiveness. And so at that time, they were about to go to war. So they wanted the A440 to be that because it would increase the aggressiveness of the people who were fighting. The other reason for the Catholic Church is because the Catholic Church, all of their pipe organs were A432, according to what I read. And so they wanted to be the keepers of the soul music, quote unquote, so everything in a church would be 432. Everything right. outside of a church would be the wrong exactly. 440. So you'd go into the church and you'd hear the resonance of the church and it would it would be reset beautiful you. to you. And
2: it would reset exactly. you, basically.
0: So that- – there's a whole lot of woo going on in oh, it gets, that.
1: Oh, it gets worse. There's also people doing graphical displays, frequency analysis, and they're doing it in three dimensions. And the 440 is more jagged versus the 432, which is more smooth and more harmonic when you do it. It's like the ice. You put love on ice or you put hate on ice and hate will be jagged and deformed and love will be all pretty and everything. Right? So it's thoroughly ridiculous. <laughs>
0: Because frequencies are just frequencies, and yes, we respond to different tones, but a lot of it is more in the color of the tone. So the Mm -hmm. color of a violin sounds very different from a clarinet, and a color of a violin played by a professional versus a fifth grader who's just learning the instrument is a very different color and sounds very different and makes you feel very different.
1: It's also cultural, because... People who grow up in the East enjoy what people in the West would call possibly atonal music. Mm-hmm. And they they also found out that Chinese uh, Mandarin speakers all pretty much speak in the same pitch <laughs> because it's a very because tonal – Because it's a tonal
2: language. Exactly.
1: And so they're very good at picking up frequencies.
0: Sounds a lot like the kind of the perfect pitch thing is a very much a learned yes. activity where – You may have perfect pitch for Western music, but you go to an Eastern place or Middle Eastern scales and you're like, I don't know what's being played because you've learned perfect pitch in one way.
1: Right. And looking across, uh, I'll just call it looking across the border, both sides, the East and the West, will say, oh, well, their music sounds is very harsh on the ears. Right. Like Like, an
0: accent, like the Southern accent sounds silly to everybody who doesn't have a Southern accent. Exactly.
1: I thought it was... And really funny, and you can really go down the rabbit hole. And if you go further, you get into even more conspiracies. You get the New World Order, and you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It does make me want to start mucking about with the different tunings and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that was another, the, the 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 credulity on some of the forums of people. Like, one guy put, oh, well, Jimi Hendrix used A432 when he died at. 27. Oh my goodness. Uh, Janis Joplin. Janis or, Joplin. Or. Joplin. The, the Doors. Kurt Cobain. All kind of used this alternate tune. They all died at 27. And the hilarious thing is someone actually called this guy on it and he never showed up on that form again. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you really saying that, that these people use 432 and they got famous because they did it and then they were killed? Or the I 432... Made them die.
0: (laughs) Plus, there are a lot of things in different masterings of recordings. Speeds can sometimes get slightly changed. Absolutely. And that would change the pitch.
1: What was was the... uh, There was a, a famous recording that got mastered incorrectly. And it's been like that for like 35 years and they fixed it. Well, listener, if you know what
0: that song is or what that album is...
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't bloody well find it. It, it may well be Pink Floyd's "Metal," M E D D L E. Basically, when it was sent to the mastering, it got sped up by like a half tone or something. Right. When they remastered it for like the Criterion edition, they actually put it into the correct key. Right. But apparently, it made a a big difference in. Right. The feel, which of course it would, tempo changes.
0: The interesting but thing about... But did not lead to any of the Pink Floyd members getting killed.
1: <laughs> well, one of them went insane. <laughs> I blame more of the wall on that one. Yeah, well, it was insane before it did. But the interesting thing about older CD players is the, the timing chip was based on battery power or based on... It used to be based on the frequency that you're getting out of, out of the wall and actually old digital clocks or even old analog clocks were based on this. And so if you were slightly off, if your voltage or the hertz was slightly off, it would play back in the appropriate key uh, as far as CDs go. But the tempo would, would vary. Huh. Which, being a digital person, if you slow something down, you, it, nowadays, instead of going lower in tone, you have to tell it to go lower in tone. All it do is it will stretch it out. Right. but But anyway... Uh, That's real. That's more technical than it is skeptical. Yeah, a
0: lot of technical talk on basically a lot of woo surrounding which basic tone that Western music is going to choose as its stable (laughs) tone that everything else is going to get tuned around. Exactly, and just a whole lot of silly. It is, and apparently some people just haven't learned.
1: No, it'll raise its head, I'm sure, in the next week because I've been searching for it, and Google loves to. (laughs) Oh, people, other people are searching for this.
0: Well, very quickly on learning and music, there were several studies that came out related to the Society for Neuroscience conference that just happened, I think, this last weekend, where there was a lot of studies done on mainly the effect of learning an instrument and how that affects your brain. There's one study that's fully published in the Journal of Neuroscience where they took about 44 adults that were older and they measured the electrical activity in the part of the brain that processes sound. Mm -hmm. And they found that people who had 40 years previously played an instrument, but then stopped after a while. So hadn't played an instrument for 40 years, but had taken lessons as a child.
2: Not that far yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're not, you're, you have some, you, you may have some problems with the clarinet uh, mold But not so much with this issue, but basically people who had taken music lessons as a child processed sound stimuli faster, up to a millisecond faster (laughs) than people who had never played an instrument. So it showed that taking lessons early in life led to a benefit in processing sound later in life. So, for example, someone who's starting to lose some of their cognitive facilities If you have that benefit of having learned an instrument and having that sound processing benefit, that reinforcement of the neural pathways that made you process sound faster, that may be a benefit to everybody to have trained your brain that way to deal with sound, which is pretty neat.
1: And and they did say it didn't matter what instrument. Exactly. It could could have been percussion all the way up to uh, piano or guitar. Interesting that you put... Percussion at the lowest level and
0: all the way up to but piano. Technically,
2: but technically, piano is a percussive instrument. It is. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> not, I remember something compl- from
2: fifth grade music. I'm Congratulations, not completely <laughs> stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I use that because percussion is often the bass. And so I'm yeah. looking at from a, again, a coloring From a recording standpoint yeah. where the percussion exactly. happens first. Exactly.
0: Well, there was another study which was just presented at this Society for Neuroscience conference where a woman by the name of Xin Wang out of Beijing presented a study where they took 48 Chinese people between the ages of 19 and 21. And they found that those who had greater than a year of musical training Between the ages of 3 and 15, the cortex on their brain, measured by an MRI, was thicker. And those are the types of areas that process language skills and executive function for things like planning and carrying out tasks. So learning an (laughs) instrument... (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Okay, we'll figure out what Gary was laughing at in a second. But essentially, learning an instrument and having to essentially process multiple sensory input of sound and feeling and all that led to more connections in the brain, which yeah. is why the cortex is thicker.
1: Okay. Well, you, you had mentioned that it's, it has to do with scheduling and and, and planning and is that-, is that Executive is that? function, yes. Executive. Oh, executive. Okay. Cause I was just thinking, it's weird how, like, if that's the case, musicians can't show up on time. <laughs> <laughs> Or figure out how to use a washing machine.
0: Right. <laughs> well, okay,
1: then we'll go That's on. That's a very general's life <laughs> of course.
0: We'll bounce off of that one into a study out of Sweden by Anna Pinho from the Karolinsky Institute. No, Karolinsk Institute. Karolinsky. Yeah, sure. Where they studied pianists who were playing a little toy piano while having an MRI, I guess a functional MRI, Scanning their brain, and they found that the pianists who had more jazz or improvisational training had higher connectivity between the various regions of their frontal lobe, but they had less activity in their executive functions areas of the brain for that planning and carrying out tasks and hmm. things, which they said is essentially showing that musicians, especially jazz musicians who have to think on the spot and Compose on the spot, generate a lot more connections between the various areas of the brain to kind of work all this stuff out. But because they've grown these connections, the part of the brain that has to plan all this out is not needed as much because it's a much more subconscious. Just they just do it. They don't have to plan it out. They don't have to think about what am I going to play next. They just kind of
1: they they do it. They and then,
0: feel it, and it becomes yeah. subconscious that way. Absolutely. And so then, that may be where. The more a musician is more into you know Improv. improvisation and something like that, which explains a hell of a lot of deadheads. Is a less cognitive executive function going on where they can use a dishwasher or a washing machine, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or think ahead
1: a week and realize that they need food.
0: <laughs> so yeah, there. The I, I mean, there are a couple of other interesting musical studies that came out of this neuroscience conference. But uh, not everything is published yet. And these are, again, very small studies with 40 to 50 subjects. So all of this can be taken with a grain of salt, but it shows how much learning and training on an instrument can help young development, where either you're kind of building these connections or you can deal with multiple sensory input from your... um, It'd be
1: be interesting to, to see... If this translates for other activities, such as even sports. even sports, exactly. Yeah. Granted, if you're doing football, uh, American football, you're probably going to get <laughs> most of those connections disconnected every time you. By the concussion. Hit, <laughs> yeah, but but like soccer, you know, it's yeah. it's a very coordinated coordinated, and you have to know what other people are doing. So to me, that could be well be good soccer player, good mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> European football players <laughs> <laughs> may well be similar in thought process. Uh, maybe not the professional ones because they appear to be idiots. Even though I'm a little prejudiced for musicians, I do
0: think the important thing is to get kids really young. Cause the, the first, I think it was the first study I talked about said Catholic. If <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was not the intent. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a couple of studies that talked about the idea that if they can start training kids before they're seven years old, and that, that was the Chinese study where they MRI'd people with formal music training. Mm-hmm. They said those that had music training before they were seven years old had more of this thickness than maybe people who learned it later on. So here in America, a lot of kids maybe take a band instrument when they're in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah. Maybe let's start more percussion and musical stuff in kindergarten because it can help train kids' brains to have to coordinate different things and hear something and play something at the same time. Coordinate, like with a guitar, you have to coordinate how your left hand is on the neck and your right hand is strumming or Mm finger-picking. Any sort of thing beyond music that you are having to coordinate and train yourself on. Mm -hmm. Even say that those silly little activities where the kids are stacking cups as fast as they can, they're training their brain to kind of... Do yeah, but something that's, that's as fast also quite
1: rhythmic. I mean, there yeah. there there is a musicality to that. The
0: important thing is to get your
1: kids involved in something
0: learning young, like maybe gymnastics is good. It builds their coordination, and they have to think and learn and stuff like that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, yep. Yeah. Cool and the the important thing is that study that was out of Sweden is
1: about pianists, not right. pianists. I fail to see the distinction.
2: <laughs> no. What he's talking about is four theater chains in Sweden are implementing basically a rating system using the Bechdel test.
1: Uh, movie theater chains. Yes. not Not just acting on a stage theater.
2: <laughs> and actually, in addition to these movie theaters, there is a TV station that is now starting to use it to give kind of a rating about... Because the Bechdel test is not really a... a, a What is the Bechdel test? It's it's, it's not not a a grade test.
0: It's a pass-fail thing.
2: Right. The Bechdel test basically says you have two characters who happen to be female who speak about something other than a man. That's it? That is the original test. It has gone on to be kind of extrapolated that they have to be two named characters. And they have to speak for a list. At least a minute. Right.
1: Because in the original one, it'd be easy to have a female character come in, a named female, hey, Sharon, oh, look, cookies, and then walk out, and then there you go, know, you pass
2: <laughs> Exactly. The girl ordering from the waitress. Really, That's yeah. a prime example. So, like I said, Sweden is implementing this because next time you go out and watch a movie, look at how many actually attention. fail yeah. the Bechdel test.
0: It, it might be a good way to promote more... Female strong female characters that are more interesting than just talking about a guy in future films
2: right because most films are considered a microcosm for the real world, so half the population is female, but apparently we only talk about men
1: <laughs> that oh, does happen a lot did did uh <laughs> did sex in the city movie pass the background? actually
2: Sex in the City passes the Bechdel test, and it passes the reverse Bechdel test, which is to say, men. two men named characters who talk about something other than a woman, That's... which frequently happens. <laughs> um, you know, those movies go back to the beginning of movie making. The Dirty Dozen, DOA, Monty Python, and the Holy Grail, including Argo, which was last year's Academy Award winner. Those all pass the reverse Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Those also... All fail. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: the reverse Bechdel test is—it's
2: to show how
1: lopsided things are,
2: right? Because you also have the Shukla test, which is two characters of people of color talking about something other than how race has affected them. Hmm. When you've got the two, the two African American guys running from the big monster and they're talking about how they're scared, that actually passes the Shukla test, even though you know they're going to be killed.
0: (laughs) If they comment on how common in horror films the African-American guy is the one who's killed first, that does not pass that test. Correct. Okay.
2: But if they're talking about how scared they are, then it does. Right. But, I mean, yes, and certain movies lend themselves to not passing the Bechdel test. If you have a male prison flick, it's not going to pass. Nine times out of ten, you have a war flick. Even though that is starting to change. It's not going to pass.
0: Even something like Star Wars. Yeah. It's not going to pass, mainly for the fact that it has one female
1: character. <laughs>
2: well, you no, know, they have a couple that pop up now and Do then. Do they?
1: Well, okay. Well,
2: they have the one general.
1: They have Ma- aunt, aunt, what's her face?
2: Aunt, aunt
1: Beru. Wait, the general? There
2: is like- a female general in... Either oh, um,
1: uh, Return of the Jedi.
0: You're Return of the Jedi. Mon Mothma, which was not necessarily a general; she was more of a political leadership person. She was an inspirational yeah, leader.
1: Okay. The, the one you said, uh, many Bothans died to bring yes, in this information. That, yes, that woman.
2: So you've got her. They've got um, the <laughs> Twi'lek dancer, who <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, just
2: lends itself right there to not passing. Now
0: you're reaching for female characters, and that's the problem with. Yeah movies like Star Wars or, or Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Where the Lord of the Rings movies had to really, really, really pad the female characters from the books, which are almost non-existent. right? And even then I, I can't, I don't think even two female characters talk to each other, let alone talk to each other about something other than
1: um, return of the king guy. Yeah I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think female characters ever meet. In Lord, Lord of during, the Rings, in the trilogy, yeah. but except
0: for the horse king's daughter, daughter, who's down in the caverns during the Battle of Helm's Deep, and says, "You'll be okay," and that's well, pretty much it.
1: <laughs> well, but in like the extended edition, she talks with uh, Return of the King guy, uh, Mortensen, Vigo Mortensen's character, Aragorn. Aragorn. I mean, she does kill the the right, the big, but she's talking huh? to men. She's not talking yeah, to that, another I woman. Know. That's okay. Exactly. So she wouldn't be talking to another female,
2: right? Well, here's another example. All but one Harry Potter film. Really? Yeah, six. You have the conversation between Luna and Hermione when they're riding the coach. And she's talking <laughs> it's exactly
1: about... exactly one minute and one second, long. Exactly. <laughs>
2: but it is. They just, and you think, because Harry Potter has very strong female characters in yeah. it. It has... Molly Weasley. You have Hermione. You have Ginny. You have Luna Lovegood. You have McGonagall. McGonagall. You have very strong female characters, but you rarely see them actually in the same vicinity. Right. So this is another one. It's, it's amazing how many films actually. And I have to say this: Thor Two actually passed it.
0: <laughs> oh, <okay>. barely,
2: <laughs> barely. <laughs> <laughs> but you have Black Swan chick, Natalie Portman. Natalie, Natalie Portman. <laughs> talking with... Why do I know her? Oh ...talking with her assistant, and they actually have this conversation. It starts out talking about a man, because she's all like, are you going to basically be boo- boohooing over the fact that he's still not here? <laughs> but it actually gets into some science. It starts and, on
0: the science, and then you start the stopwatch.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it also does show a vi- another character. It shows Frigga, Thor's mother, basically being a big fucking badass. I'm not going right. to spoil it for you, but holy shit, you're like, <laughs> damn.
0: <laughs> yeah, in the first movie, she tries to protect Odin in his Odin sleep and basically gets smacked across the room, and that's pretty much it. Yeah,
2: and this one, she's totally badass. That's good to know. The Bechdel test is not a grade. It's not to say, you know, oh, look, this film is an A for feminism because it passes the Bechdel test. It is simply a pass-fail and lets you know... That women are featured in something other than being in love or being rescued. Right. Because apparently that's all we're good for is falling in love and being rescued. That's,
1: that's the only <laughs> No, there's also I- walking around in a bikini. I mean, I think that's important.
2: <laughs> I fucking hate you.
0: <laughs> I'm going to leave that aside and, and go back to the – I I can't remember the specific words of it, but – the interview with Joss Whedon, where they say, "Why do you create strong and female when... characters?" Well, I create strong female characters because you keep asking me that question, or yeah, some yeah, paraphrase the, of yeah, that. Yeah, that
2: was basically his answer. Was the reason that I do is because you have to ask me why I am doing this.
0: And even he was granted kind of strangled by the source material, but the Avengers. Had, I think we discussed this a few weeks ago, one and a half maybe strong female (laughs) characters in the Avengers. And And even
2: then she was just set decoration. A
0: big old sausage fest.
2: Black Widow was was set decoration.
0: But very pretty, redheaded set decoration. But that's my Uh, own weakness. And let's move on. At least I was...
1: (laughs) Never mind.
2: (laughs) But yeah, and I agree with you. Avengers was... Is the exception for the Whedon universe. And yes, he had to be beholden to the powers that be are at Marvel. Yes. And let's, let's admit it. Let's look at comic books. They are not the most, um,
0: gender balanced.
2: Thank you. That's Despite... a very nice way of putting. Because yeah, usually... Despite
0: the anti-gravity boobs, they're uh, not
1: very gender balanced. I was going to say, usually in the real world, those females would be gender Fairly unbalanced.
2: <laughs> well, the thing about it is, if there—did you see the recent thing where they took male comic book characters mm. and put them in the female poses? Yeah, that was fucking hilarious. And the, like,
0: and the female costumes, which are all just thongs and boob armor and you yeah. know hip boots or something and high heels, which don't make any sense for fighting in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, you,
1: can, so. you can stab a stil-
0: stiletto through someone. Yeah, i Okay, besides that, but, but like in For a... For
1: balance, it's not good.
0: In a thong bathing suit that's not
1: not exactly useful <laughs> in combat. I must go put my my uh, war thong on. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between that and the normal one you wear? I don't know. It's bulletproof? <laughs> <laughs> this one's camouflaged. <laughs> exactly. It's a merkin.
2: <laughs> Sweden. Is doing a whole thing about using the Bechdel test to, to alert viewers as to how feminist-y a a yeah. movie can be. And
0: helping to reinforce that we should be better about this. Yeah.
2: There's a television station that is planning these Super Sunday films, which specifically pass the Bechdel test. Hunger Games, Savages, which why they're showing that, I don't know, because it's a really crappy movie.
0: I don't know it, but go on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um, another good one, Iron Lady, the biopic okay. of Margaret Thatcher.
0: Just to wrap up, um, there was a part of the press release from this Swedish station that was doing this movie fest thing that I thought it was important to read out. So
2: the Swedish chef announced, "Yes, awesome."
0: I just wanted to put an exclamation point
2: we on put that. We <laughs> I hate you both. <laughs> and
1: the two ladies are indifferent. The
0: and they talking, and they're not talking about the boobies.
2: No, see, if they're talking about boobies, it's okay That's fine. because they're not talking about men. <laughs> so they're not porn, talking about movies. Porn
1: passes the Bechdel. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. There's not a lot of
0: talking.
2: You would be amazed at how much talking there is actually in porn. Yeah, if if, if you actually watch. Yes,
0: I would because I've never watched a porn. I've watched a p-
1: porn. I've <laughs>
0: never watched the porn. <laughs> That's
1: right. Oh, good gracious! Oh, God. All right. So what did we learn? We have anything else? No. Let nope. me ask. Let me ask again. We have anything else?
2: Nope. nope. Not a thing.
1: Okay, so what did we learn this week? One asks, I "What did ask. we learn
0: this week?" One asks.
1: I guess, I guess, I should what, what did I learn? I don't know what you guys learned, but this <laughs> is what I got out of it. Mars is getting crowded. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's all I got. So you put read. down for
0: the India space launch that's trying to go to Mars had a little hiccup, but is yeah, now no, no. going yeah. again. Uh-huh. That's
1: It's crowded, that's what you got? Yeah, I said, Mars is getting crowded, but the cost of the candy isn't going down. That's what I wrote. Oh, Mars bars. See, yeah. yeah. Move on. Yep. The Foundation Beyond Belief wants your money so they can give it to someone else. Every single penny. Someone who needs it. Sunday assemblies is to church as Sunday funnies is to funny. Okay. Yeah. Just like that analogy. That's not an analogy. What is that? It is too. Whatever. An <clears throat> Modern music is Nazified, but it's good for your brain to learn. The Bechdel, right? <laughs> Bechdel? The Bechdel test is going to be used in Sweden to totally make the misogynists uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, and that's a happy ending for the misogynists. <laughs> Yeah, I know that wasn't a good roundup, but whatever. Deal with it. Sure. Yes. Let's deal. All right. So thanks for joining me this week, Greg and Donna.
2: Thank you, Greg and Gary, for joining me.
1: Thank you, Donna and Gary. Now get out. Okay. Excellent. It's cool. All right. We'll talk with you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. I oh! hope just Oh, wait a minute. That's at the beginning of the show.
2: Bye! Oh,
1: no, no <laughs> We won't. <laughs>
2: So, go, give, money.
1: <laughs> Excellent. So, what else is happening with... uh So, they're sort of <clears throat> assembling money.
2: <laughs> you don't... Have uh, I don't know. Tra- <laughs> <it's>, uh,
0: <laughs> apparently, your bag of transitions is empty, is it, Gary? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I- I got nothing. What do you got? <laughs> well, okay. Um,
0: I think it was sometime last year. A couple of comedians in Britain decided that they want, if they're sick or if someone's yeah. slated for surgery, that they'll come around, and bring a carousel,
1: uh, carousel, <laughs> a carousel,
0: carousel. They'll bring a carousel,
1: okay. a parasail, <sighs> carrot salad. <laughs> Closer.
2: Uh, oh, I always hated that shit. Um, Carrot salad?
1: Casanova? Casserole. <clears throat> Fuck. A roll
0: of casses. That someone will come around and bring a casserole if you're not feeling well or something yeah. like that. Yeah,
1: And, and of course, if something has happened to you.
2: Um, a television station that is planning these Super Sunday films, which specifically pass back the back to test. Hunger Games, Savages, which why they're showing that. I don't know, because it's a really crappy movie.
0: I don't know it, but go on. <laughs>
2: it's okay. i got a little rant that it's I will okay. get to in a minute.
0: Breathe, move on.
2: <laughs> and um, another good one, Iron Lady. The biopic okay. of Margaret Thatcher. But here's my rant about Savages. It's a great movie. It ends beautifully. And then the Chiquita banana in it goes, well, that's not really what happened. And you have another fucking ending. And it's bad. And you just go... No, kill her get it over with it's okay nobody liked her it's
0: what the the character from dallas was all, all a dream that they were killed that kind of thing
2: no it says basically like this is a nice pretty wrapped up ending but it's not really how it ended this is just what we told right. everybody but this is how it really ended okay and you're just but, like but the character who says it is so boring <laughs> and you're just like why couldn't the drug cartel just kill her
0: I haven't seen the film, so I'm just going to let you leave that stand. Um, the um, Just to wrap up, um, there was a part of the press release from this Swedish station that was doing this movie fest thing that I thought it was important to read out. I what did ask. we learn this week, one asks. I guess,
1: I guess I actually, what, what did I learn? I don't know what you guys learned, but this is what <laughs> I got out of it. I can't read my handwriting. <laughs>
0: Here. I don't know something about the Holy Grail.
2: What? Mars. Something <laughs> <laughs> crowded. I think. maybe. Yes, okay. This
0: is this is what we learned. See, you're supposed to write like a like a deranged axe murderer in big scrawl over the page, not tiny little.
1: This is how I write. Writing. Mars is getting crowded. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire.